Was he an elder? Too young to be an elder? Too young to be an elder. <laughs> Romans chapter 11, please. It's a nice spring day. This fellow calls up his boss, says, I can't come into work today. I'm having eye trouble. His boss says, what, what's going on? He says, I just can't see me working today. <laughs> I used to really dislike nice days at work because you get all these phone calls. Spring fever, spring flu, you know, just all this nonsense. Nice day, you know. It's the last day to go fishing or whatever it is, you know. I gotta go today or I can't go. What'd you be doing all this other time? Well, working for you, you know. So anyways, it just, uh. So last week we started chapter 11. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for today, Father. Thank you, Lord, for chance to learn from your word today, Father. Pray God you bless the lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we started talking about chapter 11. We started talking about some more about the, the two Israels, uh, the fleshly Israel and the true Israel. If you have trouble with that, I mean, you can have trouble if you want to, think of it as today. What do we have today? We have Christians and we have non-Christians. But we're mingled together, right? And even though God called these folks, the true Christians, out of Israel as they started the church, they were called out of the nation of Israel in, into the church, we'll be called out someday. That's right. So we're co-mingled now with the world, and we get along, we relate, work, everything else with them. We just don't subscribe to everything they believe. That's right. Okay, so... Uh, if you're having trouble with how can I be two Israels, well, there was. There's always the spiritual ones that really trust God and the ones that rely on works. Right. We discussed that all, all through the book here, those that uh, are trusting in their works or the law or, or whatever. So we discussed that. And last week we left off where we're talking about Elijah, about how he made intercession against Israel because they were oppressing the true Israel, and about um, him under uh, Ahab and Jezebel, how he uh, destroyed the prophets of Baal, and then he found himself alone, he thought. I'm here by myself. Uh, verse number 3 of Romans 11. Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. We talked about this last week. Verse number four, What saith the answer of the Lord unto him? I have reserved myself 7,000 men. If you look at the Gospels, uh, I'm thinking, uh, what am I thinking? I'm thinking something else. I'm thinking, 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 thinking. When he fed the 5,000, what else was beside the 5,000? That was men. Women and children, too, on top of that. So 7,000 men, it might have been close to, I don't know, 18, 20,000 or more people that were of the true Israel. Back in 1 Kings 19, 18, he says, Yet have I left me 7,000 men in Israel, all of which the knees have not bowed to Baal. Amen. And every mouth which has not kissed him. So today... And back at Paul's time, it was X amount of people, true Christians, true Israel, they hadn't bowed down to the law. They hadn't uh, uh, forsaken the Lord to 
put their faith and hope in the law and works. So, um, so don't think that Paul was only concerned with showing that God had not rejected all of his people because God had not rejected any of his people. Looked at that in verse number, uh, verse number one. I say then hath God cast away his people. God forbid. The answer is no. Amen. Not his people, his true people. He didn't cast them away. That's the remnant. That's what he's trying to assemble. That's what he's trying to build up. Okay. So it's important to understand this, this separation here. This, this uh, back, back in Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken that effect, for they are not all Israel that are of Israel. So it's under it's important to understand that that concept, because that's uh, if you're going to make this make any sense out of what we're talking about, especially today, these two Israels. And we'll get more into that. Um, the separation between the two Israels, the true and the fleshly, was not just something that God just decreed. It was because people trusted in faith and people didn't same way today you witness the folks and they either accept christ or they do what they reject them you may be able to keep at them and they may soften and 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 accept christ but initially they they push away i pushed away i didn't believe it the first time i heard it maybe you didn't either but when it made sense to me at the time, that's exactly what I was looking for. Amen. Exactly what I was looking for. Look at uh, Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 6. Galatians 3, verse number 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of the faith are the same as the children of Abraham. They which are of the faith, not those that are of the works. He separates it out. There's a separation between faith and works. Amen. So the same basis here. Folks that didn't bow the knee to Baal, are those that trust God in faith. There was a difference. If you look at that verse again, um, verse number six, as even, ha even as Abraham did what? He believed God first, right? And then it was accounted on him for righteousness. Abraham had to believe first. He had to make that first. I had to believe. He has to believe. Amen. I believed first. Then Christ saved me. <clears throat> I had to believe that first. Okay? So there's that, that separation. Verse number 5, back in our text in Romans 11. Even so then, at this present time, Paul's day, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. The apostasy under King Ahab and Jezebel was a clear illustration of that 
Israel back then, which was actually the same as Paul's Israel of his day. The past wicked kings killed the prophets. What did the current wicked Israel do? It killed Jesus. That's right. So, same, same people. So, even so, at this present time, at the beginning of the Christian era is what he's talking about here. The true Israel had no connection whatsoever with that hardened and apostate nation of fleshly Israel. They weren't connected with that. It's like us today, we're, we're living, I think, in my opinion, you have to believe it, I think we're living in an apostate nation. We've turned our backs on God. Years ago when I was younger, we were, we were uh, younger, was a, we, this, this is a Christian nation, founded on Christian principles. But now everybody's turned their back. It's an apostate nation. People are against God. People are against anything to do with Jesus. They're against his name. They're against everything to do with Christianity. That's right. uh, I just finished a book, and boy, you'd be surprised at what's been done since the 60s to destroy and to attack Christianity. Get rid of prayer, get rid of the Bible, get rid of this, get rid of that, stifle this, stop that. You know, it's amazing what they're doing, and they're still doing it. That's right. uh, I saw a thing up in Canada. They're, they're locking down again. I think it was, on, it was in Ontario. I'm not sure. I, Saw something online. But they're talking about walking down. I mean, this pastor's saying you can you can go shopping, but it's one person at a time in a store. <laughs> Everybody's in line, he said, two meters apart. And churches can have 10% of your your uh, capacity. 10%. And you're wearing the mask and everything else. He said it's just ridiculous. And they keep throwing it out there and throwing it out there. And some states in the U.S. are doing the same thing. Yeah. Don't be surprised. There's a, we're in a fourth wave now, I think. I see another tsunami coming. <laughs> you know, They're going to keep doing it until they get what they want. And that's control of us. That's not part of the lesson. That was free. So you can deduct that amount from today's cost. Amen. <laughs> But you don't have to. <laughs> so Paul's saying that the true Israel is a different order of people. Just like we are. We're a different order of people. Right. We're still people, but we're from a different order. We don't reject Christ. We embrace Christ. They are the people that have accepted Christ and are in the body of Christ, being Abraham's true seed. Back in Galatians chapter 3 again. Abraham's true seed, Galatians chapter 3, one more time here. Galatians 3, verse 29. If, and if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and what? Heirs according to the promise. God's promise to Abraham. Amen. You read that back in Genesis. All these promises he made, we're a part of that. Promise made to Abraham. So there's this remnant. We've been talking about this remnant for a couple of weeks now. This remnant is expanding with the inclusion of the Gentiles. It was a small remnant of saved Jews. But now during Paul's time, it's expanding with the 
uh, inclusion of the Gentiles that accept Christ as their Savior. And it's starting to grow. And that's what we're going to discuss most of today. This, this thing about this remnant increasing. The election of grace, what does that mean? Simply signifies, we discussed election back in chapter number 9. We talked about Jacob and Esau. Election is God's choice. Okay? He chose Jacob because he knew Esau. And we discussed that through the whole lesson where God saw, what was God's plan? God needed to have a genealogy, a, a lineage to Jesus Christ. Esau wasn't going to make it. He knew that. Okay, and we discussed that the whole, the whole uh, lesson. The election of grace simply means that God predestined, pre-planned, pre-ordained a Savior to come into the world and provide salvation to whosoever will. He didn't pick the people. He picked the way it was going to happen before the world was born. If you read back in Genesis, right after the fall of man, what did God have? He had a plan already in place. He didn't say, oh, no. No. A few verses later, he already had it. It was going to be there. Already had it pre-planned, pre-ordained, predestined. So that's what that means, that, that um, uh, election of grace. Okay? Thus, true believers in Christ are chosen. Not the people, the thing that they can trust in, Jesus Christ, the Savior. That's chosen. They were elected to inherit the blessings of the gospel, while those seek justification by works are not chosen. Okay? Those that trust are chosen, not the people, the method. We accept Christ as for our salvation, that's that's what God demands. If you don't trust him, you trust in works or something else, you're not elected. You're not chosen. That's not the way that God wanted it to be. Okay? Did God choose the individual believers? No. Who did he choose? Chose. He chose those that believed. Okay? Right. So that's what I make that clear. You're not individuals. It's people that believe. He chose the method. If you're going to get to heaven, it's going to be one way going to be through my son Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross Amen. not anything that you can contribute to it right. Amen. so I think Paul's crystal clear here God's keeping the covenant with Israel had always meant never meant anything else than keeping the covenant with the spiritual seed the righteous remnant the true Israel not the other Israel Verse 6, and if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. And if it be of works, then it is no more of grace, otherwise work is no more work. Anybody clear on that? Anybody catch that? Yeah, I read it again. Let me read that backwards. Okay. It's a little, it's a little bit different here. No more of works, that means it's not by fleshly descent. Look back at chapter 11. Romans chapter, I'm, Romans chapter 9, sorry, verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done what? 
any good or evil. They hadn't done anything yet. God chose them. It wasn't anything that they did. It was what they were going to do. So this thing, not of works, does not mean just because you're a Jew, you don't just get salvation. Not by fleshly descent. Okay? So the, the great objection to Paul's preaching here from the Jews was... Um, had to do with Paul's firm rejection of all the elaborate um, traditions and laws and rites that they attached to the law of Moses. Look back at chapter 2 for a second of Romans. Look at this probably back in July of last year, I think, maybe, I don't know. Remember he was talking about these Jews in verse number 17 of chapter 2? He was, he was talking about them the way they were. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide to the blind, a light of them that are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, and a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth and the law. And he went on, and then he just beat them up, Paul did, later on in that verse. That's how the Jews looked at themselves. We're here. We have arrived. We're the answer. And Paul preached against that. Their traditions and their rights, the things they've added to the law, they were stuck on that stuff. They had the law, and they kept adding to it. And that's what they believed, these traditions. And they hung on to this thing. They wouldn't let it go. And because of what they included into their beliefs, they said that the Gentiles could never be folded in. They can't do it. They're not part of the law. They can't do what we've done. So Paul preached against that. Remember the Pharisees? What did Jesus call the Pharisees? Starts with a hypocrite. I mean, it starts with an H, sorry. He called them hypocrites. He saw them, you know, acting like they act. Long robes, displaying themselves in public, looking real religious. He called them hypocrites. And they banked on all this stuff they have here, all these traditions and rites and laws and all this holidays, whatever it is, fest, uh, feasts, and all these things they added on, they got stuck onto that thing. So Paul's got to bring it out. Two facts about Israel consist of, number one, a righteous remnant that came out of even Elijah's time. That's still, that remnant's still around. Those who obeyed and trusted God and the other flesh to Israel who believed in uh their works and believed that salvation could be earned. Discuss that back in chapters two and three. They thought it could be earned. So Paul's passion here is to show them that salvation was never, either then or now or never, something folks could earn or merit. If you can earn or work for salvation, it's not grace, it's works. 
And Paul kept pushing at and pushing at. There's no grace when you can do something to get saved other than believe. When you can work, be good, turn over a new leaf, turn over a new tree, I don't care. Whatever you do, you can't do something to get saved. Okay? Otherwise, it's not grace. It's you doing something. It's a work. Verse number seven. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for refers to the fleshly Israel seeking God and his approval. Not seeking God, period. Seeking God and his approval. God, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. We've added this feast. We've added this rite. We've added this holiday. We've added all these. We're adding. We're seeking God's approval. They did not really seek God at all, for if they had, they would have found him. Look at, uh, look at Jeremiah 29. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 29. And verse number 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for, uh, for me with what? All your heart. They were doing the wrong kind of searching. They didn't seek God in the sense of truly believing in Him. They were walking in pursuit of their own righteousness. Look at us, the things we are, the things we do, their own righteousness. That's what Paul was preaching against. That was wrong. Look at, uh, we're back in Romans, look at Romans chapter 10, verse number 3. Romans 10, 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish what? Their own righteousness. <laughs> having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They didn't humble themselves to what God wanted. Amen. They wanted to add to it and say, we're great, we're better. We look down on these Gentiles. They're not going to be a part of us. You know, this, this can't happen. So Israel did not seek God on God's terms, they weren't on their terms, their righteousness. So the seeking in this verse, as it pertains to the flesh of Israel, is, is mentioned on what they should have done, but not what they did. This is what they should have done. They didn't do it. Look at, uh, look at Luke chapter 13. Jesus said the same thing. Look at Luke chapter 13. Verse 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and uh, ye begin to stand without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto thee, to you, I know you not whence ye are. 
Then shall ye say, begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught us in our streets. But he shall say then, I tell you, I know not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall, uh, when he, uh, ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. He's talking to these Jews that are... Amen. I'm going to get there my way. Yeah. I don't need this Jesus. I need to, I'm, look what I do. I've kept the law. Wrong. Who's kept the law? Nobody, Nobody but Jesus. Yeah. I've done all these scenes. And he's going to say, I don't, I don't know you. I may know about you, but I don't know you. So the Israel had not obtained it. But the election hath obtained it, referring to true Israel, who feared God and trusted in him, the righteous remnant again. And the rest, look at that, look at the last part of that verse, and the rest were blinded. That's right. That means hardened. The rest, this present day, today, Israel is blinded. That's right. They are hardened against the gospel. The blindness, there's three kinds. The blindness caused by the fall of Adam. Look at, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4. This was the first kind of blindness. Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. People are blind in their heart. We have blindness caused by Satan. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Yes. Verse number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. In whom the little G God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious, glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The devil has blinded people's eyes. He's distracted them with everything you see around you. The world, the lures of the world, the attractions of the world. He's blinded people. And number five, uh, number four here, what we just saw here in, in uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 5. He blinded the rest. That's God's judicial blinding. They've rejected him so much, he just blinded them. They're blind to this day. Very few Jews get saved. Some do. This is the same thing that happened back in Paul's day. Very few Jews get saved. Some do. But the rest were blinded. The rest were hardened. And it's been that way for how long? 2,000 years. Been that way. So, two Israels emerged in this verse, clearly, the election being the true Israel and the rest, fleshly, unsaved, rebellious, unbelieving Israel is the rest. The fact that fleshly Israel's guilt in their current condition was stated by uh, Matthew, they're guilty 
in their current condition. Look at uh, look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 14. It's a long chapter. 13, 14. And Jesus here is quoting Isaiah chapter 6. But we'll read what Jesus said. 13, 15. And in... 14 and 15. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And, shall, and seeing ye shall uh, see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is whacked gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Jesus said the same thing when he was alive. This, this nation, this people are dull. They're gross. They don't understand. They rejected him. They were wanting to kill him. And they did. Israel's closing of their eyes against the light made them guilty. And God hardened them. They're blinded today. There's still blinding going on in this world now. It, uh, it's called different names. There's going to be a blinding called the strong delusion. That's going to happen. That's right. Strong delusion. And there's one now. In yeah. Corinthians 4.4. 4, they that believe not. They reject Christ. Okay, They're blinded. The world and Satan have blinded them. And it's hard now. These days it was back in the 70s. It was, man, it was great. Revival, big churches, bus ministries, back in the good old days. Don't you wish you were back in the good old days? Amen. I sure do. Boy. Amen. No electronic, computerized diesel engines. <laughs> Everything was mechanical back in the good old days. Yeah. Back when you had mechanics and not technicians. <laughs> as we have to call them today. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just flashing back here. Right. It happens when you get older. Just... <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> pardon me. Verse number 8, back in our text. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should see not, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Today. May 2nd, 2021. Right. Nothing's changed over there. Paul was quoting right here. He was quoting Isaiah 29.10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. You're not going to get the message because you won't receive it. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. Verses 9 and 10, Paul is quoting from Psalm 69, which says, I'll just read it to you. It says, let their table become a snare before them, and that which 
should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not and make their loins continually shake. That's not because they're nervous. That's because they're under burden. Psalm 69 is one of the, they call it an imprecatory psalm. And imprecation is a curse that invokes uh, misfortune upon someone, uh, calamity. Um, the psalmist calls down uh, destruction, God's anger, judgment on his enemies. David's imprecation in, in this Psalm 69 was regarded in light of uh, a prophecy, and this happened. It was going to come to pass, and it did pass it right after Paul's day. The prophecy actually occurred. Israel, through their enjoyments, their education, all the things that they had, their privileges, their pride, their self-righteousness had been the means of alienating them from God. And this condition had been a snare to them. And it was a cause of their blindness and their infidelity. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. And this is written as it's a burden bound down your back. You ever have a burden on your back? Here we are, rucksack for 10 miles. That's a burden. Uh, it's a burden on your back. You're bowed down. God put a burden on them. Heavy oppression. Subject to servitude. When did that happen? Roman rule. That's right. Under the Roman rule, Roman occupation, Roman oppression, in Paul's time, this happened to the Jews. And something else, and there's another reason it happened, is because of their treatment of Jesus. Verse number, six, uh, verse number 21 of that psalm, They gave me also gall for my meat, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That was fulfilled in Matthew. God didn't like that. Amen. He judged them for that. Nothing that Paul wrote in Romans or anywhere else should be understood as a promise that the hardening will ever cease except for Paul's use of the word until in verse number 25. Looked at that last week. Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's the only indication it's ever going to stop. We get to verse number 25, we'll discuss that, what happens then. But that's the only relief in sight. Amen. You're going to be under this blindness until something happens. Okay? The next verse, I might be able to get it done. Verse 11. This is a little complicated. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to, to provoke them to jealousy. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? This verse is difficulty because of the uncertainty of what is meant by they. There's a couple of they's there. Both the Israels are discussed here. They're both of the they's. The first they is fleshly Israel. The second they is true Israel, including Gentile Christians. So it's kind of hard to understand what this is talking about, but it's plain that a fall happened. A fall is admitted and denied. 
Well, we're getting complicated, Brother Carlson. Let me see if I can make it worse. Um, the logical solution is that there is a fall for fleshly Israel, and we deny it for true Israel. We state the meaning here, what this verse says. Did fleshly Israel stumble so completely as to involve spiritual Israel? Paul said, God forbid. No. The rest of the verse, actually the opposite happened. Other part of the verse, but rather through the fall of fleshly Israel, salvation has come upon, has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them, fleshly Israel, to jealousy. Because of the fleshly Israel fell, the conversion of the Gentiles was greatly advanced. Amen. It increased, resulting in a provoking of fleshly Israel to see the Jews and the Gentiles, Christians, see their lives, and it provoked them to jealousy. Why? Because they had something that they didn't have. That was God's plan. Show them Christianity, and maybe they'll say, wow, I want that more than I want to do these works and the law. I want that. Amen. That's our testimony. We need to have folks say, all right, what do you got? What's different with you? That's what God planned for these folks. Let flesh of Israel be provoked to say, I want what they have. Uh, it didn't work all that way. They provoked them to anger and violence. And they were martyring and killing Christians back then. They were vindictive about this thing. God thought the means of stirring them up to holy indignation, they would see themselves pretty far outstripped by the lives of the Christians who they hated that they would embrace the gospel. Some got saved, a few. Some wanted to become the people of God again. But these persecutions just multiplied and when you're under oppression, what happens to the gospel? Is it stifled? No, it goes out. It goes out. If you read about Christians behind the Iron Curtain in places, lots of books about that. How they were uh, had underground churches and stuff. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's just great to read. There were spiritual giants back there, back then. Persecution kept them going. People getting martyred. Stephen getting martyred. It was helping the church to break away from Judaism, which is what they needed to do. So we'll stop here today. We'll pick up with uh, verse number 12 next week. Several words of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson. Father, pray God did uh, bless the services to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.